Now, as I speak, as I speak, we've had floods here in London. And this took my mind back a few years ago, Colin and I on tour, and we were going to Solihull, sorry to place drop, Solihull to do, <laughs> to do a show. And we set off up the M40, and there was the biggest tailback I'd ever seen in my life, miles ahead. And in the distance were flashing blue light sirens going. We'd no idea what was going on. So we got off at exit 11, finally. And then we realized it was floods, abandoned cars, people wading through the water. And uh, we had to abandon the whole thing. And it's the only time, touch wood, we never did a show. We couldn't get there. But we did owe them a show. So three weeks later, we did, which is a long time to sit in a car. But we, we got to Solihull, right? And I thought, I owe them a story, flood, flood. The old computer in the head, flood, flood. Yes, the epic flood story, Noah's Ark about to embark on its epic voyage. Mr. and Mrs. Noah are talking. She said, you look worried. He said, I am worried. She said, what? He said, we've got two of everything on this ark. She said, yes. He said, well, they're going to start breeding. The rabbits alone could sink this thing. I'm very worried. <laughs> but I've had an idea. She said, what? He said, I'm going to remove their reproductive bits, give them a cloakroom ticket so they can claim them back at the end of the voyage. And this he duly did. And the ark set off into the hail, the tempest, and the storm. Little chimpanzee and his partner leaning over the rail watching it all going on. And she said, what are you looking so happy about? He said, who's got the elephant's cloakroom ticket? <laughs> now... I've got, I've just finished my second book, I'm a very slow reader, but I've got a book out called Pigs Can Fly, Pigs Can Fly, published by Orion at 9.99, but I don't want to plug it. And as you listen to this, maybe the paperback's out, but pigs, motif of pigs. Tom O'Connor told me a wonderful story about an American tourist in Connemara, I think it was, and he's driving down a country lane, and he sees a guy holding a pig up to an apple tree, and the pig is chomping on the apples. He then put the pig down, picked another one up, and the American was fascinated. He got out of the car and he said, good afternoon, good afternoon, sir. He said, I see you're holding the pigs up to the apple tree. Forgive me, it's none of my business. Why don't you leave them on the ground where they're happy? Shake the tree, the apples will fall. They can eat the apples on the ground. Why would I do that? He said, it saves time. He said, what's time to a pig? Now, I leave you... <laughs> with that thought. Pig motif. A pig walking. The pig was walking round yes. and a man entered who was also walking round. And he said to the owner of the pig farm, uh, show me round, I want to see all the breeds and everything. And he saw this magnificent hog, big pig with a wooden leg. And he said to the guy, why has that pig got a wooden leg? And the man said, I'll tell you about that pig, he said. My wife was in the farmhouse kitchen one day chip pan caught fire, the curtains went up, it was an inferno in there. That pig saw what was happening, managed to come in and barge my wife out of the door, saved her life. And the guy said, that's astonishing. Why has he got a wooden leg? He said, our son, two years ago, was walking on the ice on the river, which was thinner than he expected, and it started to break. The pig spotted this, grabbed hold of him in its mouth and got him off the river, saved his life. And the guy said, that's amazing. Why has he got a wooden leg? He said, I'll tell you about this pig. He said, I was in the combine harvester. I got out, walked downhill into one of the fields. 
mustn't let their hand break off. This combine harvester is coming down at a rate of knots down the slope at me. He spotted it, barged me out of the way, saved my life. And the guy said, that's amazing, why has he got a wooden leg? He said, you don't eat a pig like that all at once. <laughs> now, <laughs> I love the stories rather than the jokes, right? No Irish jokes tonight, an Irish story. I was in Dublin the other week with a guy who said he'd been in a pub where all the ashtrays were full and the glasses were dirty and the barmaid was rude. It was an English theme pub. And <laughs> <coughs> they love telling stories in the South about the North and vice versa. And he told me the story. In a train in Northern Ireland, a guy is running down the train. Is there a priest on this train? God lovers, is there a priest on this train? It's an emergency, it must be a priest. No answer at all. Is there a, a vicar, please? A vicar, please, on this train? Nothing. Is there a, a rabbi, please, on this train? No answer. Little guy put his hand up and said, I'm a Methodist minister. He said, oh, you're no use to us. We're looking for a corkscrew. <laughs> now, what... <laughs> Enough of the ethnicity, I think, uh, Colin. I won't give you my full CV, you'd lose the will to live. I'll try and uh, truncate it. I was born in Leeds in 1900 typing error. Uh, the Reverend Sidney Smith said many years ago, never ask a man if he's a Yorkshireman. Because if he is, he'll already have told you. And if he isn't, why humiliate him? Anyway, I was born in Leeds all those years ago. I'll give you a bit of folklore about my childhood in Leeds. When I was a kid, I used to watch my dad coming home from work, covered in coal dust from head to foot. And I watched my mother getting the tin bath ready in front of the fire. Pans of hot water, the occasional kettle, get it ready. And I was quite small. I used to stand and watch my dad sit in that tin bath and wash coal dust off himself. Never knew why. He was an accountant, but... <laughs> That bit's actually true. My dad was an accountant. He told me the story of the accountant walking down the street, suddenly confronted by a poor old tramp, a dosser, who said, give us a quid, I haven't eaten for three days. And the accountant said, hmm, how does this compare to the same period last year? Now, <laughs> my dad was a man of many talents. He was a Masonic footballer. Always wanted to watch him. He'd never tell me where they were playing. And... <laughs> And my dad was an Elvis impersonator, but there wasn't much call for that in 1938. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's all wannabes, lookalikes, tribute bands now, isn't it? And the granddaddy of them all, stars in their eyes. God, I love that program. Who can forget Yasser Arafat as Ringo Starr? <laughs> and I thought, I'd, 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 I'd have a go at that. I used to do Orson Welles years ago. Probably the best lager in the world. And a guy said to me, did you ever meet Orson Welles? And I said, no. He said, it won't be long now. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the epic night, the epic night, I'm sure you heard of it, was the guy one night said, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Glenn Miller. And he walked into the smoke and we never saw him again. <laughs> now... Back to the CV, back to the biography. Uh, my mother, God bless her, my mother, mothers are a universal breed, international breed, they say things. 
My mother used to say wonderful things. Don't do that, your face will stay like that. Which it did. <laughs> do you know what you've just done? Yes, I was there. <laughs> do you want to smack? What child has ever known the answer to that? Yeah, big one, right there, big one. And her absolute classic. When something happened, she used to say, all's fish that comes to the net. That's what I thought. <laughs> it haunted me. Through the years, all's fish that comes to the net. My mid-teens, she said it again. I said, ma'am, you've been saying that for years. What does it mean? She said, I would have thought it was obvious and changed the subject. I have never found out what all's fish that comes to the net. The family folklore. My uncle Norman, who I loved that man, I revered him, we were a cosy middle-class family, and he was always uh, smoking roll-ups, flat cap, down the pub, and I loved that guy. And he introduced me, little knowing that I was going to be, become a, a writer years later, uh, to a love of words and a love of books, it's true. And he was once talking to me about writing, I was quite young then, and he said, you've got to have the right word in the right place. La mot juste, he said, otherwise it didn't work. Got to have the right word in the right place. And years later, I was writing a script. I got a complete mental block. And I tried to think of the right word for two weeks. And I thought, fortnight. That's it. Then <laughs> 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 Norman, Norman introduced me to the works of Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes and all that, which I love to this day. And a couple of years ago, they had on the net, national newspapers, everything, the great joke. There's no such thing as a great joke. There's good jokes, bad jokes, jokes we like, jokes we don't. Oh, no. This is